and, and we'll have a good time in the Lord. Now this morning, this morning, now I'm going to have three different passages, but I will be preaching out of 2 Timothy chapter 3. But before I get there, I want to read a little bit here in Matthew 24, and then I'm heading to Revelation 3. Let me go to Revelation 3 first and uh, read a couple of verses here in Revelation 3. And I'll be in chapter 3, verse 14, and he gets us, and this is going to go along with the message for this morning, he tells us about this last church here right before the tribulation starts. There's a, a church here called the Laodicean Church. Now that Laodicean means people's rights. It's where this church is more concerned about people's rights instead of responsibility. We'll talk about that in a minute. Now, we'll be, this is one of those messages I didn't get to in 2023 that I wanted to preach while we was preaching a series on the home. Remember that? Preached a whole series of messages on the home, and then we got into pitfalls in the home. This would be one of those messages about pitfalls to avoid in your home. If you have children, you really need to have your listening ears on this morning because the Bible says that there is a generation that is going to be in existence. I believe we're there. You, you can't look at what's going on in the world today and, and, and when they interview these college-age kids and how they, how they want to think their thinking, it's totally off the rails. And, and so I want to talk about that a little bit and maybe help us, help you. I'm, I'm past the child years, but now I have a grandbaby, and so maybe I can impart wisdom to help uh, uh, the parents, uh, Nathan and Kayla, to avoid some pitfalls in the home as they raise this child and of course another one on the way and so we'll have two and in some of your grandparents and you have grandchildren and so we'll look at some of these things today now this verse here in verse 14 he says under the angel of the church of the laodiceans that's age of the people's rights or people's rights and he says write these things saith the in the faithful and the true witness the beginning of the creation of god he says now i know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. They're on the fence. They're halted between two opinions. They're double-minded. That's what he's talking about here. And he says, uh, so then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And then he says, here, here's what I want us to focus on. And here's why. Here, here's this people group that's, and he's talking to church people. We're not identifying the lost world. We're, we're identifying a majority of the folks. That's what he's talking about that is sitting in churches today. And he says, because thou sayest, I'm rich. That's right. You ever thought to yourself, why are third world countries today in revival mode, but industrialized nations or first world countries, they really don't care about God? You know, there's, there's hundreds, if not thousands, of souls being saved in Mexico. 
I was thinking about this this morning as I kind of woke up early. I was up early, uh, and, and this message was on my mind. Uh, uh, I remember now, I've been in, in and out of Mexico, and uh, I have missionaries, and you, we have missionaries we support that are still in and out of there, and they're still living in a little adobe huts with dirt floors. No running water and no air condition out in some of these villages. And you take a person and you take all those modern conveniences away from them and they got chickens living in the house. And let me tell you why they got chickens living in the house. Because chickens eat bugs. That's right. Living on dirt floor. Those people, they're not rich. They're not so high and mighty. They need God. And when a missionary comes through preaching the gospel they'll readily receive it because they know there's something lacking in their life they need, but not in our industrialized nations. We're rich, we're increased with goods, and we have need of nothing. We don't need anything. And no, it's not. God said, here's, here's your problem. You're wretched. That's another way to say mentally deficient or given to depression. We treat more depression today than ever before. Wretched. Now, some of it's chemically, uh, sometimes the brain malfunctions. So don't, don't think I'm taking a shot at somebody that suffers with that. I, I've studied that topic quite a lot. And there are chemical deficiencies that must be taken into account. And you must sometimes have to take medication. And that's why God give doctors wisdom to help treat you. If your heart can malfunction, your livers can malfunction, your kidneys can malfunctions, your brain can malfunction. It don't fire right because of the chemicals are not being made properly. We're not going to really preach and teach on that. I do sometimes. But that's what that word wretched means. Given to uh, serious mental uh, uh, depression. Not because of a chemical deficiency, because you're bound and determined not to do it God's way. You don't need God. Then he says, and you're miserable. Yeah, that's how you know that wretched means a mental uh, issue there of sadness. And poor and blind and naked. He says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. He's talking spiritually. Now, I'm going to Matthew 24, and you can turn with me if you would like. But I will end up here in 2 Timothy 3. Now, Matthew 24, this is Christ speaking. And he says this. In verse 34, he's talking about uh, the signs of Christ's coming. And then he begins to give them the parable of the fig tree. And we, we know that the fig tree is what he's talking about is the nation of Israel. We're living in the last days because that happened in 1948. Right? And so then, watch what he does. And sometimes people get confused. Well, the generation that was alive in 48, he says, wouldn't pass. Ah, think about that. He's talking about fruit on that tree. You wouldn't count the generation that was alive or living when nation become an Israel, a nation. You would count the fruit that they had, the baby boomers, the ones that, that were born after they returned from the war. Okay? And we're coming close to that end of that time. But watch what he says here in verse 34. 
He says, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. So there is a generation that rises on the scene that'll be the last generation before the tribulation hits. Before that, we'll have the catching away of the saints, the rapture of the church. Now watch this. Heaven and earth shall pass, but my word shall not pass away. He said, there's nothing going to change this. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days, now he's going to give you a glimpse into what type of generation. So Revelation, you're seeing the kind of people group that made up that last church. We're there. Brother, uh, Pastor David Helton sent me uh, a, little, a little short video of, of a worship service, a song service that was going on in a community church. I don't know where it was from. I guess I could have Googled that. You know what they were playing? I feel like a woman. They were singing to that. Right up there on the stage. I guess it was Mother's Day, and they were singing the Shania Twain hit. They had the laser lights of smoke. Never, all the ladies that thought they looked like Shania Twain were all up there doing their, their thing. Now, I got news for you. That's an abomination. That's, that's blasphemy. That's what that is. But that's what people are calling church today. Now, let's get into this. Let's see what the Bible is going to teach us this morning. It says, As the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, he's going to give you a little something, they were eating and drinking and marrying. Yes, they were rich, increased with goods, had need of nothing, and given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not. They prided themselves into purposely not wanting to know things that were important. Knew not until the flood came. It wasn't because Noah wasn't preaching it. It wasn't because they didn't know. They said they heard it. Noah was building that ark 120 years. I thought we was going to have to do that a couple weeks back last week. <laughs> I, told, I, I meant to tell Brother Terry, Brother Terry, if, that's, if we're supposed to be building an ark, we're about 100 years too late. <laughs> They put it out of their mind because they didn't believe that God was going to bring judgment. Now take your Bible to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. We'll get in here and get some help this morning for our homes. In verse 1 he says, Now this know. Okay, well we just come from a generation that knew not. They don't want to know. He said, Now this know. He's talking to the pastor. He says, Pastor, you make sure you tell your people this know that in the last days perilous times shall come. You see that? For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Now you see that word for? It's a prepositional phrase. What, did he, what does he mean? He says that peril, perilous times come by reason of this generation. That's what the word for means there. For here means by reason of. So the perilous times come on the scene by reason of this generation, this people group. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. That's what everybody preaches today. You not heard that phrase? You just got to love yourself. You can't love nobody else until you love yourselves. Doesn't the Bible say, love your neighbor as yourself? If you don't love yourself, you can't love your neighbor? That's backwards. 
That's a doctrine of the devil. That's not right. That's natural that you would love yourself. There is a natural love to preserve your own life. And the Bible is putting the emphasis, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. It's already a given you love yourself. You did eat this morning, didn't you? <laughs> That's right. You did bathe this morning, didn't you? The ladies, you did put a little makeup on, didn't you? Well, of course you did. Of course you did. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't let some devil try to come along and say, yeah, you just really need to focus on loving you. Mm -mm. That's, that's. But this generation, there's a generation that does that. We're here. Now watch this. They're covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Ooh. Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, Fierce despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady, high-minded. Now, here's the second point. I didn't point out the first point. I hope you got it. That we'll talk about is lovers of, lovers of their own selves. Second point that we're going to talk about this morning, we find right here, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Okay. Now, we're getting ready to see the third point. Having a form of godliness, so they're religious, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Now let us pray, and I pray that the, the Holy Spirit give me a direction this morning as I develop this, now that I've kind of got you in the context of how I'm thinking to get us some help. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you, and Lord, we love you. Lord, I thank you for these people that have come out today to hear something from the Word of God. And Lord, uh, uh, hide me behind the cross. Let the Holy Spirit speak through me. Let uh, the, the Holy Spirit work on hearts and to give guidance and to give instruction so that the people can have wisdom. Now, if there be any lost, uh, maybe something that I say might strike that heart's Accord and the Holy Spirit can point out that they need you. Let that happen also, that souls can be saved in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now we've read these scriptures, and I did this so I could bring you into a context for today. The Lord's talking to the church. He's addressing the church. Even here in 2 Timothy, he's addressing the type of people that Timothy would have to try to pastor in the last days. Now, last week, I preached out of chapter 4. You probably all knew I was heading to chapter 3 because he says that people group was the people group that would not endure sound doctrine. They'd begin to desert Bible preaching, Bible praying, and praising churches for what I was talking about earlier for entertainment, pleasure-driven churches. People aren't dumb. I was thinking about this yesterday. Pastors today are not dumb. They're not dumb. Uh, they, 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 they're probably just not as stubborn as I am. Not, I'm not putting the laser lights up, and, and you've heard me say that. I'm not trying to sound like a broken record. Uh, I, I'm not doing that to grow the church. We're going to emphasize the Word of God and preaching of the Word of God and loving one another, but in the Word of God. And see, these preachers, they're not dumb. People aren't dumb. They're like, look, we got a problem. We got bills to pay. We're going to have to get this people in here. So let's give them some entertainment. And then we'll get them in here. And by the way, because we're Baptists, we'll take up an offering. We'll take up another one. And then we got it. And then I'll give them a sermonette. 
something that's positive that helps them feel good about themselves psychologically. But it's like eating cotton candy, thinking that's going to replace a meal. It's not. So he's talking about a moral upheaval, no natural affection for human life and relationships. And the Bible is clear that there is a generation. This is the generation that is in existence right before the rapture. They're living and in the church, and God is not pleased with it. He literally said there in Revelation, he says, I want to spew you out of my mouth. I really don't think he was meaning like we spit water out. I believe he was meaning the other because he was sick at his stomach at it. You ever had to drink something that the doctor give you and it was kind of lukewarm and just didn't taste good? <laughs> Can't keep that down. That's what he's talking about. He said it literally makes God sick. He'd rather you just be 100% cold or 100% hot but this lukewarm, this form of godliness, but denying the power of God to work in your life, he says, is nonsense, and it makes him sick. So this generation, here's what I want to say, did not wake up one morning and decide to be like that. They didn't. You see, this generation was made like that. The Bible says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. This last generation is a lukewarm, a self-loved, ruled by lustful emotions, that's that word incontinent, and blind. Because of their ignorance, this generation is responsible for the perilous times that are upon us. God's given us a look into how this thing comes about. If you watch any of what goes on in our government, uh, I dare say you would agree with me, would you not? I mean, you ever watch some of that stuff? That they're, they're batting back and forth? It's foolish. It's foolishness. So here's our question. How did this generation get like this? How, how was it raised? And what are we doing in our homes that produces this? Now, I want you to understand there's three ways to teach. Number one, by commandment. You lay the law down, the rules down. Say, these are the rules. This is what you're going to do. But there's another way to teach, and that's by example. You example it. That's why you see uh, the leadership uh, uh, performing and acting in a certain way. It's an example. I guarantee if I was up here today in shorts and skinny shirt, (laughs) I wanted to say skinny jeans, but I was already out with shorts. And one of these new haircuts where they shave half your head, you know, they're... Next week, most of y'all would be probably dressed like that, wouldn't you? No, probably not. (laughs) You'd probably take me into the back room and begin to want to know what kind of medication are you on, Pastor? What happened? So by example. But that's why you see a certain example. Uh, Ministry is to be modeled. Not just commanded, but modeled through relationship. Now there's a third way to teach. What you allow. What you allow people to get away with. In the home by what you allow your children to get away with. 
Here's a truth statement. Now, I, I, need, I did not get time to install seatbelts in the pews. I apologize. It was on my to-do list, but I just couldn't quite get to it. The buffet was before that. It was higher on the priority list, you know, eaten. All right. Children, hang on, hang on, just, just relax. I don't mean this mean. Children are born monsters. Doodlebug's a monster. Sorry, guys. She's a monster. I love her. Next week's message, I was thinking about this today because we're going to get in on how to communicate the right priorities in the home. And I had to answer the question, do I love God more than Doodlebug? Mm. That's a hard one, ain't it? Shouldn't be, should it? Mm. So I'm very familiar with what I'm getting ready to say. My, my grandchild, children are born monsters. Now hear me out. They must be trained, that's what the Bible says, and socialized if they're to be any good to society. You cannot leave a child alone in their home for 18 years and expect them to come out good when they leave home. They got to be trained. You don't want video games to train them or anything else. Smartphones, your children, even the little ones, they do not need to have unfettered access to the internet. They need some uh, uh, guidance. You need to be over that thing. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. I'm saying children are born monsters. They're not born good. They got to be trained and socialized and work with to be any good to society. That's what's wrong with our society. Uh, everybody says, well, I'm just going to let them be them. I'm going to let them develop their own mind. That is nonsense. See where that's got us in this country. Children are born monsters. Now let me give you two truth statements that I want you to think about when I break these points down. Number one, it has been said it is easier to raise good men than to repair broken ones. I can attest to that. In my years of ministry, it is almost impossible to repair broken men. And without the help of the Holy Spirit of God, this Word of God, you can't do it. It is easier to raise good men than to repair broken ones. Number two, it's been said that an ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of cure. And that is also true. Now, I've seen this today. It's a quote by the Susie Homemaker. I hope she's okay. It looked to be okay. The quote's excellent. The gospel sounds very strange to a generation that has been told they are perfect. Loving themselves is virtuous. Their heart is always right, and nothing is more important than being happy. That pretty much sums it up with this generation. It's all about, I got to be happy. So we as parents... We do an injustice to our children with, by what we allow in the home. And here's the first thing I see that we allow or that we do that sets these children on the wrong path. Number one, 
when you overemphasize rights without responsibilities. When you overemphasize rights, that, now you know why I was in Revelation, Laodicean, age of the people's rights. It's all about my rights. Do we not hear it? New people come in. What's here for me? Why don't you have a little show? Why ain't you dancing, preacher? Why ain't people dancing and doing the jig? And why don't we got all the money? What, what's here for me? What's here for my kids? What kind of entertainment? I tell you what, I got a program and I got a youth program. They're going to learn scriptures and they're going to learn how to sing songs that brings the preeminence to Christ. But in our homes, we overemphasize rights without responsibility. Lovers of their own selves. Maybe you heard it like this. I just want my children to have what I didn't have. Ever said that? Yeah. I just want my children to have what I did not have. A lot of times that statement comes from a bitter person about bitter about what they didn't have growing up. Grew up poor. One of my children enjoy some things that I had wanted to enjoy. This is a person, a lot of times, and you gotta understand I counsel a lot of people. They got daddy issues, mommy issues. And, and especially in a Christian realm, uh, with pastor's kids, uh, preacher's kids, it's really easy for them to develop these issues and become bitter and envious because they see everybody else, they got everything. And the church kids, because they was a pastor's kids and they had to do without. And so we grow up and we say, I want my kids to have what I didn't have. So now as a parent... You're going to be a champion of the children's rights in the home. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not about hurting children or making them do without. This will make sense. You've got to keep these things in balance. So maybe you've said this. My child has a right to make up their own mind. I want my child to be able to make up their own mind because I've heard this. I was drugged at church as a kid. I was made to do this. I was made to clean my plate. Or I was made. That's a problem. Maybe you said this. My children have a right to give their opinion. So sometimes parents will ask a five-year-old, do you think we need to buy a new car, honey? Uh, do, where do you think we need to go to church? What does that kid know about buying a car, mortgage rates, interest rates, or what church they need to attend? I guarantee you to be the one that has the biggest bag of candy for them. My children, I've heard this, have a right to have their own room, their own space, and to make up their own rules. Heard that? That's a parent who is overemphasizing rights without responsibility. You see, you cannot have rights without responsibilities. We're losing that concept today. We do have some unalienable rights, but we also got some responsibilities. Now, man, I was having a good time Jen and I were talking the other day. I was going through this message. I was laying the best stuff on her. How's that sound? She says, you know, that also applied to pastor and churches. 
ain't called to preach. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, I couldn't get that thought out of my head. There's many pastors that have overemphasized people's rights of the members without balancing out with the members' responsibilities. Ah. I know of a church. I know of more than one church. Bible-believing church. I'm not picking on non-believers. Bible-believing church. Good pastor. This man starved to death, him and his family. Got so bad, his family started becoming bitter. You know what was wrong with it? The pastor before him overemphasized rights. Had a good church. They believed, oh man, they were right, doctrinally, doctrinally straight and sound. But they had no responsibility. Ooh, that's a problem. Of course, I said, get thee behind me, Satan. Jen, <laughs> I'm your helpmeet. I'm here to help you. So if you don't have any kids in here, this will preach to you too if you're a member. You don't just have rights, you've also got responsibilities in the house of God. See, you can't have rights without responsibilities. You are not doing your children any favors by overemphasizing rights without reteaching them responsibility. You, you can give them their own room, but you're going to tell them you're going to keep it clean according to my standard. It's my house, I'm paying the bills, and it's my room that I'll allow you to steward. There's a biblical concept. And if you step out of line, I'm going to be here to make sure. We'll get to the next point to hold you accountable. But right now we're on responsibilities. You know what we do? You need to clean your room. Dad comes in. He's the head of the household. He's the big man. Hey, hey, son, you know, 12-year-old boys ain't going to listen to mama. Dad comes in, puts a little vase in his voice. Say, hey, get the room clean. If it ain't clean when I get home from work tonight, you and I, we're going to have come Jesus meeting. You know what mama does? Oh, that's my little boy. So she goes in there, sees Johnny. He's going to sit and ain't nobody hearing Johnny, right? Okay. Playing video games, living his best life now, and mama goes in and cleans it. And denies dad his job. He can't do anything. Because mama's about overemphasizing rights without responsibility. I'll do it. I don't think my kids should have to clean their, their own room. That's my job. I don't think my kids should have to do the dishes. That's my job. I've heard some of y'all say that. I got ears like a donkey. Whoop! I hone in on stuff like that and write it down and save it for messages. You're not doing them any favors. They need to learn that there's some responsibilities. Do you understand? You ever get, go to a court of law and have to try to pay child support, that judge going to look at you, daddy, and say, what do you mean you ain't taking care of your kids? Uh, your child is using part of the electricity there. Your child's using part of the water there. Your child's eating part of the food bill there. Yeah. Those children need to understand there's a responsibility. Things don't magically appear. Somebody had to work to put food on the table and every man, if a man won't work, he won't eat. So every person has a responsibility. They've got a job to do. Whether it's sweeping your, your room, cleaning the house, uh, helping mom with the dishes. How about the laundry? Moms, if you've got a 12-year-old, you shouldn't be doing their laundry. 
They need to have the responsibility. They're going to have to learn how to do it at some point. And I got news for you. There's too many women in their 20s and 30s that are shocked beyond all belief and they don't know how to function in a home. And I can't get it fixed. It's broken. When you overemphasize rights without responsibility, you know, a child's voice can be heard. But don't get upset when you're called out as being foolish. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. My dad, still alive, the older I get, the smarter he gets. I'm like, wow. He said, no, you're to be heard, or seen, not heard. See, I, my mind. I, I had a stubborn streak. Dad had to explain that to me one day. He said, God give you two ears and one mouth. I know your mouth's bigger than both your ears put together, but you're supposed to listen twice as much as you talk. Keep yours shut. You look stupid. We never confront our children. Here's the point, guys. The point is, the right of free speech bears with it the responsibility to listen to others as they practice free speech. Yeah, amen. And to be called out as stupid when you, you... Is that not one of our problems today? Everybody wants to say something dumb, but they don't want to stop and listen to good common sense. And they call that hate speech. I don't want to hear that. You want to know why? Because rights have been overemphasized in that home. And you've got a person that's in love with themselves. They're a boaster. They're proud. They're haughty. And they think they've arrived. Rights over responsibility. Now the Bible says when you overemphasize this rights, the rights of the people, Laodicean, while not teaching responsibility, it's going to produce a behavior. Look with me. He says it produces a person that's in love with themselves. Oh, yeah. Social media has not helped. And some people can't get through the day without taking 50 pictures of themselves. We were in, we did a little vacation in Georgia, and there was more people around the fountain. They weren't looking at the sites. They were taking the, here, let's get this. Okay, let's say, oh yeah, let's put this on TikTok. Oh yeah, we got this. Everybody's trying to be a YouTube millionaire, I guess. They're in love with themselves, and it don't stop there. They're covetous. That means they're selfish. They're boasters. Oh, boy, they can conquer the world. They're proud. They're blasphemers. They're disobedient to parents. Is he not addressing this generation? Unthankful. Why? They got too much. Unholy. You see, they've been taught that it's all about taking and never giving. And that by what you have allowed, I know you didn't teach that by commandment, but by what you have allowed and overemphasized has created that type of a mindset in an individual. But it doesn't stop there. The second point. We do our children a disservice when we overemphasize pleasure without accountability. Verse 4. Traitors, heady, high-minded lovers of pleasure 
more than lovers of God. Maybe you've said it like this. I just want my children to enjoy what I did not enjoy. I've heard parents say that. I don't want my children to have to do chores. I'm doing it. I should have to do it. I had to do it when I was a kid. I thought it was unfair. You got daddy issues and mommy issues. There was a reason they taught you those things. They're the basis, basics of life. I just want my children to have fun. It's all about fun. My child's happiness is important to me. Oh, watch out. Happiness is a state of mind. You might need to look that definition up in the 1828 Noah Webster's Dictionary. I'll help you with it. Being in the enjoyment of agreeable sensations from the possession of good. Enjoying pleasure from the gratification of appetites or desires. The pleasurable sensation derived from the gratification of sensual appetites render a person temporarily happy. To be in any degree happy, we must be free from pain, both of body and of mind. To be very happy, we must be in the enjoyment of lively sensations of pleasure. And they actually use the word pleasure. Either of body or of mind. Is that not what we want? I just, I hear it so much. I just want my kids to be happy. You know, life does come with stress. And it's not all about happy, happy, happy. You're doing them a disservice when you're creating this utopia in your home that there should never be a moment that there is not pleasure forevermore. You're not grounding them in reality. No chores for my kids because it doesn't make them happy. All pleasure every day. Play your video game. I don't care. Does it make you happy? Have you heard parents say that? Hey, we're going to go so-and-so and so place to eat. We're going to get salads and stuff. And, and, and little junior throws a fit. You want to know why? They want a happy meal. Well, last time I checked, they don't have some good stuff in some of these happy meals. Kids don't know what good nutrition is, but we want them happy. Now, some of y'all have to preach this to me when Doodlebug gets a little older. Now, Pastor, didn't you not say, yeah, yeah, I did. Hush. <laughs> I want my child to answer to no one. You do what you want when you want. It's never your child's fault, is it not? That's what happens when you overemphasize pleasure without accountability. It's the teacher's fault. You get a call from school. Your child is not doing well. They're failing. Uh, they seem to can't keep their mouth shut. So on and so forth. What do you do? You hang up that phone and you go storming into that teacher and you read her the right act. It's the teacher's fault. You know it can't be your kid's fault. I got news for you. Let me help you this morning. Kids lie. Let me, let me get here. Some of you didn't get that. Your kids lie. Your grandkids lie. They were born that way. They know how to do it. I've never had to teach none of my children or the grandbaby how to lie. And you haven't either. It's the society's fault. That's the problem. That's what everybody's blaming all our problems at society. It's the preacher's fault. I've been given that one. 
It's the school's fault, Christian school kids. You know, it's the Christian school's fault. No, it's their fault and your fault. There was another rule my dad had. You get in trouble at school, you're in trouble at home. I'm taking the teacher's word over your word because you're a kid and you lie. Oh. Now, somebody's going to think in right now, yeah, but I know this case where the teacher was evil and the child was bitten. We're not talking about that. You always listen. Let me tell you, a better way to handle that instead of marching in on the defensive to champion your child because they're not having a pleasurable experience and able to do what they want at school, go in and get a good read on their teacher. Sit in a class when your child doesn't know you're there. My brother had to deal with this a few weeks back. Had this parents, they got a Christian school, and parents come in and says, my child's being bullied. And I'll have you know, you better take care of it. Well, guess what? I guess they didn't know. But every classroom, every part of that church, for legality purpose, is videoed. Cameras. Somebody said, about when, when does this happen? About every day during these hours. Okay. So he goes back, begins to review all the security tapes. And found out it was their child getting up during class, running around and bullying other kids. And who was made to sit down, he threw him a little fit. Oh, he had left all that out. And so he brought the parents back in with the child and says, I have reviewed the tapes. Would you care to see them? Because this is not going the way you think it is. Nope, don't want to see it. Well, your child is part of the problem. We don't care. There's literally parents that'll look right at a video of their child slapping somebody, stealing money, and they'll deny it was them that did it. That's where we're at. Pleasure. They're not happy. Something's wrong. Somebody's done something that's not right. Mm. It creates. It produces a truce breaker. Do you see that? Truce breakers? You know what that is? That's a lot of problems in our marriages. Every marriage is going to have some problems. But the problem is you got one of them or both of them are truce breakers and they can't uphold their agreements. Honey, I'll never do it again. Amen. Good. Forgive one another. Love one another. But you got a truce breaker because it was all about pleasure without accountability. Never their fault. You're not doing your children any favors. Because now a pastor's got to try to deal with that mess. A false accuser, somebody else, you triggered me, you triggered me, I've been triggered. No, it's you. I've literally had to say this, and I still don't think the individual got it. So what you're telling me is your spouse is tying you up in a chair and pouring pills down your throat. Is that what you're telling me? Because that's what I'm hearing. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, okay. All right, well, okay. So your dad and your mom's tying you up and dragging you there and, for, and, and pouring them. No. Oh, okay. So you actually went and got the drugs. You're actually taking them and then lying about it. Well, I was triggered. I got you. I'll bet you were. Something called lust, incontinent. They've never been held accountable, ever. It's never their fault. 
When you overemphasize pleasure without accountability, it creates a false accuser. Somebody else did that to me. I'm a victim. Why? Because I'm not happy. <laughs> you know, we do our children an injustice, and pastors do an injustice to the church. I, I couldn't get away from that. I couldn't get away from that. When we overemphasize pleasure without accountability. I'm not having fun, preacher. <laughs> we need more fun stuff. No, we need more preaching. We need more teaching. Preacher, I just want to live on vacation. No, you need to be here and accountable. Roll call. There's a meal planned. You should be here. Accountability. It's not fun, preacher. Didn't like it. You know, if you had something fun, if you'd step up the music just a little bit, join us. Love to give you that responsibility. We do them an injustice when we overemphasize religion. You see that? Having a form of godliness. When we overemphasize religion over reality. See, we want Christ to be prophet. I love that gospel story, preacher. Preach it to me one more time. I love that thing about free. Free salvation. Free, and it is. I love that. I love that. Preach it again. Okay. Well, preacher, we love it when Christ is our priest. Oh, I, need, I need God to help me in my crisis. I'm having a crisis. Everybody gets all religious. Oh, I love that imputed righteousness of Christ. I love that eternal security, preacher. Preach it again. Preach it. Because that's the free thing. That's stuff God's doing. He says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power there. Do you ever wonder about that? That power is authority. Accountability, responsibility. We want the entitlement, the rights. We want the pleasure. But we don't want Christ to be our king. A king has power. And that means there's some secret sin or there's some spot in our hearts that we're not going to give to God. We're keeping it. We're the king in our life. Why? Because I love myself. And it's all about me first. Maybe you've heard it like this. Just leave me alone. I want to be me. A lot of Christians today. Maybe you've heard it like this. Got a child that gets up about 20, 21, maybe a little older. They're eating your mashed potatoes, living in your house. You're paying the rent, paying the food bill, buying the gas, buying the vehicles. And they look and say, you know what? You're trying to give them some good instruction and good advice. I'll do what I want. I'll tell you what my pappy did when I did that. They all do it. We did it. I said, good. Pack your bags. You're right. You're right. You're 18. You, you can die for your country if you want to. You're 18. You, you can vote now. You're right. You've got a job. 
I come home from work the next night. I own two cars. Dad didn't buy either one of them either. And my, I, I, I rolled in the driveway, and I seen my 78 Oldsmobile filled with suitcases and stuff. And I'm like, hmm, what's going on here? <laughs> I think you should get what you want. You want to do what you want? Now you can go live your life and see how it works out. Now, they were kind. They found me a place to live. They found me a little apartment. They did. They found me an apartment. It was, it was inexpensive, fully furnished. They kind of knew the people in the Cincinnati area. And I, went, I just moved right there, paid, paid my security, paid the, started paying rent, living life, doing what I want. Guess what? I wasn't thinking about who had to buy the groceries. <laughs> Car payment, groceries. I guess it's peanut butter. <laughs> life wasn't so peachy. Hmm. We do good maybe teach some of those lessons. You have those problems when you overemphasize rights over responsibilities. I think that's a main one. When you overemphasize pleasure over accountability. And when you overemphasize religion over reality. Oh, we're religious. We'll tip our hat to God. But if there's anything that pops up in the way, you know, like Kings Island, that's where I'm from. Dollywood down here. Dollywood. Anything. Matter of fact, you probably get up early in the morning, you scroll, scroll through social media to make sure there's not nothing fun going on. You're teaching your children that God's not important, that God doesn't reign, God's not king. Now, as I preach this, I think about half this mess, they're lost. But he is addressing the church. More than likely, probably addressing some Christians there. They're friends of Jesus, but enemies of the cross. Friends of Jesus, everybody knows Jesus, but they're enemies of the cross. And because there's a reproach that comes with the cross, because if you're going to talk about the cross, you must talk about sin. Why did Jesus have to die? Mm, that don't go well with this crowd because they've never been taught accountability. You're born lost. You're accountable to God. You're deficient. You're born depraved because of Adam's transgression. And if you don't address that, if you don't come to Christ and let Christ fix that, and let Christ be Lord and King in your life, you're going to be this last generation. Maybe you're raising that generation right now. Now, today, maybe you didn't know about this. Maybe you've never seen it like that. But the day could be the first day of the rest of your life, doing it right. You don't have to be Laodicean. You don't have to be part of that last generation. You can be the remnant that says, no, God's going to be my prophet. He's going to be my priest, but he's also going to be my king. Now that sets us up for next week's message. We can all stand because I'll be preaching on communicating the right priorities in your home so you don't teach your children how to be idolatrous.